Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you or whether you are today. Uh, a good weekend here at Mississippi State. We had uh, had some good recruiting news. 
as Cortez Eatman of uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, a 6'3", 195-pound defensive back that can play corner, a big, massive, lengthy corner matches up well with these SEC X receivers, has committed to Mississippi State. A product of Jasper High School, Alabama, signed on with William Penn of the NAIA to play both football and basketball, and then had some people around him and said, you know what, listen, you might want to consider going to junior college and kind of rebooting this thing because you are a Division I football player. Jasper High School, not very successful in either sport during his time there, but he was a standout for both teams. He elects to transfer to Independence Community College in Kansas at a Jayhawk conference and then has some injuries, ends up redshirting last year. Then some family concerns popped up. He elected to leave Kansas and transfer to the Gulf, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College to be closer to family. He will play this fall and then have two years to play two once he gets to Mississippi State. Now, a couple things that are important to understand here. There was some talk that he would have the opportunity to come out last year and sign in 2020. Auburn, Georgia, several other schools, Colorado among them, extended him offers and set up official visits. And then it's kind of like a Stephen Guidry situation. You recall LSU was going to sign Stephen Guidry, and then we get to signing day, and they elect to pass, and then Guidry had to go back for more time on a junior college level to get himself in a position to transfer to Division I institution. Very similar situation here with Eatman. Very talented player, but there is a limited amount of film available. So you know, we've got him ranked, I think, as an 87, a three-star. That's probably a little higher than I would have gone based on the film available, but we'll, we'll certainly take it. But I do think that he is a guy that has potential for some upward mobility once we see some 2020 film. Mississippi State, three commitments last week, as you're aware. Number one, Mississippi offensive line prospect Macklin Pounders, offensive tackle from Bahalia, Mississippi, jumped in the boat. The next day, Corey Ellington, a two-way star at Holmes County Central High School, 15 touchdowns as a receiver, seven interceptions as a defensive back. He jumped in the mix. And so then the third commitment in four days was Eatman. And listen, let me go ahead and prepare you for this. Based on what we're hearing, there is a lot of back-channel chatter that state's really just kind of beginning a run that will likely run through the end of the month of May. Probably going to see a couple more commitments, probably two to three more here in the next two to three weeks. State's about ready to kind of clean the green up a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. There's some guys out there that have kind of been leaning state's way, trying to kind of get this stuff settled now. So, Good start. Nine commitments already. State currently sixth in the SEC, right there on the cusp of the top 25. Last I looked, State was 28th, and that's with Thomas Davis, defensive end slash linebacker, Sam Backer. Thomas Davis out of Georgia, Lowndes County High School in Georgia, is unrated at this point. So we get no benefit from that. So once he is ranked, and I have already submitted him for a review, uh, to Barton Simmons and the folks at the National Office 247 Sports. So we'll get him rated, probably pull State into the top 25. Going to have to kind of fight to stay there. But uh, when you look at the way things are going, the SEC really kind of picking up some steam in Mississippi State, a, a part of that, certainly. So that's where we are recruiting right now. 
And uh, the, the Eatman thing is interesting. And I think when you've got to go out and get a stopgap guy, you go get a guy that's it's already been, you know, you know, heavily recruited before, you know some other schools are going to come back late, but you get the guy in the boat now and begin to kind of build that relationship. Not to mention there are some other players down at Mississippi Gulf Coast, down there at Perkinston, and Perk as we call it, that are leaning towards Mississippi State. And so it's kind of like that whole deal we had last year with Colette. You know, where you had guys like Malik Heath and Tyra Sweet, and those guys jumped in the boat together and then made their trips together and spent some time here on Mississippi State campus, you know, together. And so it would certainly help matters to have some other guys down there at Perk committed to Mississippi State. And I believe you're going to see that sooner rather than later. And so that'll only kind of solidify state standing with him. But again, I expect Eatman to be a guy that probably plays his way into some options later in the process. So I, you know, I, I, I don't think this thing is completely over. And I don't say that, you know, to, uh, to question the young man's level of commitment. But I believe that he is a guy that his best football is in front of him. And because of his impressive size, uh, he will be a guy that will probably solicit some more offers due to the quality of his play later this year. So that's your recruiting update. I want to thank our good friends of Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, great members of our community, two, two communities now being served by the great people at Bulldog Burger Company, a great restaurant-quality hamburger. It's one of the finest delicacies you can afford yourself. Let me encourage you to take advantage of this new family special. You get four Bulldog Burgers. That's the signature burger, the Bulldog. Four orders of fries and a gallon of sweet tea for $29.95. You absolutely can't beat it. It's the quarantine special. Mom deserves a night off after a night of homeschooling and working from home and everything else. And so it'd be nice to be able to put a quality meal on the table without a lot of fanfare. That's exactly what Bulldog Burger Company is doing for you. Two locations to serve you right here. That's right, right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and then on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, I wanted to kind of get back to some things that perhaps we missed by not having Super Bulldog weekend. So, you know, last year, you know, we, we unveiled the, the new stadium and we had statues and we bring in Rafi and Will and Brantley and everybody are here. And, and uh, you know, we have the, you know, the Ron Polk, uh, you know, Ring of Fame out there in the terrace and the, uh, you know, that entrance out there at right field, which is great. And, and we, will, we, we do a great job honoring our baseball heroes here at Mississippi State, as we should. But we didn't get the opportunity this year during Super Bowl our weekend to properly honor the new class, the new inductions into that class. And I have learned who they are, and I, I guess maybe perhaps this information is, has been distributed before. But I wanted to take a little time to talk about these individuals today because I, you know, I have a real reverence, not just a respect and appreciation for our former Diamond Dogs. It's, it's a reverence for me. I absolutely appreciate the fact that we have been a great baseball program throughout our history. We, we are not new money. Okay, We're not one of these programs that gets kind of punched through as of late. You know, we're not a one-coach wonder. Mississippi State has always been a great baseball program. And one of the key coaches in our history that did some tremendous things here is Coach Paul Gregory. And Coach Gregory was going to be inducted this year, so I guess next year we'll have like a mega class. Coach Gregory goes in, I think without a doubt, 
when you look at Mississippi State's baseball history, Coach Paul Gregory is probably the second most influential coach in Bulldog baseball history. Ron Polk, of course, being the grandfather or the godfather of Mississippi State baseball. But Paul Gregory, in many respects, is kind of, gets kind of looked over. You know, it's one of those things we, we all kind of suffer sometimes of low recency bias. But Coach Paul Gregory, and uh, I write about him some uh, with Coach uh, Ted Milton. You know, T Ted Milton's the guy that I interviewed about that 1971 team. You know, fortunately in Stark Villains, I was able to interview Brantley Jones about the 1970 team and then Ted Milton about that 71 team, the very first Diamond Dog team to go to Omaha, to go to College World Series. We're the first ones to ever do it. And so Coach Gregory, not only was he a great coach, he was a guy that was a very you know, d distinguished baseball player. When, when Paul Gregory played at Mississippi State, and this is unheard of nowadays because you specialize in sports, but Paul Gregory is from Tom Nolan, Mississippi, just up the road up on 82, was a football, basketball, and baseball player at Mississippi State for four years. When he was done here, he signed a pro baseball contract and eventually made his way to the major leagues with Chicago White Sox. His claim to fame, the highlight of his career, is he, he earned a win at famed Yankee Stadium in 1933. Won the game 8-6, allowing just one earned run in seven innings pitch, and retired Babe Ruth in five at-bats and struck him out in his final appearance. He comes back to Mississippi State, becomes our baseball coach, 1957. 1962, we win the SEC West. We begin to kind of build, and it was interesting too, when, you know, when Coach Gregory get here, we were kind of a 500 team. We began to kind of build and build and build, and then we were consistently, consistently in the mix for conference division and overall championships. 1965, we go to the regionals for the first time in a long time. In 66, we go back. Then with that, that period gave us the impetus to really recruit guys like Brantley Jones and Mike Prophet and Ted Milton and uh, Ferries and those guys. You know, we had established ourselves as the dominant program in Mississippi. Now, now to be fair, in the early 70s, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, basically whoever won the West was going to win the SEC. And a lot of that had to do with Coach Paul Gregory. So Coach Gregory, it's incredible when you look back now. In 1970, we go 32-8. and 32-8. and eight. At that time, that was the school record. We go to the regionals. That 70 team, as I've mentioned to you guys before, that was the team where Jocko Potts, who was our biggest power hitter and um, – Hall and Jones and those guys weren't able to pitch. So we had Dennis Hall was the SEC ERA leader at like 0.63 on the year. Still school record. And Brownlee Jones was the SEC wins leader. And so our two best pitchers were unable to go to Gastonia. So Mike Prophet had to pitch. And then we still went all the way to the championship game 
despite the fact that we didn't have our cleanup pitcher and we didn't have our number one and number two pitchers, and we still nearly won the regional in 70. And Ted Milton tells me that 70 team would have won the national championship. That's how good they were. That's how dominant they were. If we'd been able to play with the full comp on the roster, and people say, well, Steve, why weren't they able to play? Well, it's because the SEC allowed freshmen to play, and because those guys who played a few games as freshmen, they were ineligible to play in an NCAA-sanctioned tournament as seniors. The SEC commissioner at the time expected to be able to get a ruling, but it became back adverse. And so as a result, we, we had to go to that regional without those guys. In 71, we played with them without them as well, but we broke through. Mike Prophet being one of the heroes on that. And so Paul Gregory put that team together. And uh, when you begin to look at all the things that he did at Mississippi State, 328 wins, 200 losses. That great Mississippi State guy. And then you look at basketball. He was our basketball coach from 1947 to 1955. Not nearly as successful on the basketball side, but again, kind of look at this thing here. He coached basketball, then went to coach baseball and became one of the most important figures in our baseball program's history. Those are the things that I think that we need to celebrate. And there are a lot of young people out here, too, that, you know, that's one of the reasons that I write these books. It's for my own knowledge, but it's to kind of honor our former players and the accomplishments that they have had wearing maroon and white. I think it's one of those things that is often overlooked because I've said this and people think I'm being disrespectful and I'm not. A lot of our fans think we didn't start playing baseball in 1985 and that's just not true. It's just not true. It's one of those things I look at Paul Gregory and I begin to think, you know, he, he really kind of put the first wheel on the modern baseball bandwagon at Mississippi State. And so he has earned his place in the ring of fame. And I can't wait to see it up there. And I have I mentioned recently on Facebook that I had written about him and about that 71 team. And I had people come out of the woodwork, members of his family, said, hey, thank you for mentioning Coach. And thanks. For, listen, I'm his grandson. I'd love to talk to you about this. I'd love to be able to talk to everybody. But he did a great job. And, uh, you know, we win the SEC in 65, 66, 70, and 71. You know, it's just one of those things you look at and you say, you know what, Coach, thanks. Thank you. And uh, really excited about him being inducted in that ring of fame. Another name, and, uh, and, and listen, I get it. I think it's probably you can't dominate that first class with a bunch of 85 guys. You, you can't. Uh, I, I wish I was on this committee, to be honest with you. I, I really do, even though I didn't play here. I've done a lot of research and, and uh, would probably be more of an advocate for those guys from the, uh, you know, from the 1900s and some of these uh, other guys. But uh, Bobby Thigpen is going to go in. So, you know, you get Clark and Palmero in class one, you get Thigpen uh, as well in the next one. And so you got Brantley, you got Thigpen, you got Palmero, you got Clark. And, you know, you begin to look at that team and, and those names, that 85, the 85 and 89 teams from my generation, those are the ones you look at, and you can remember the lineup. You can remember you know, where everybody played defensively, and you begin to think, you know, man, just about all these guys, just about all these guys were stars. And some, some obviously show them brighter than others. You know, Dr. Dan Van Cleef, one of the best center fielders to ever play. At Mississippi Stadium, we've had some great ones. I mean, you can run down the list. You know, Mike Kelly, Jake Mangum, uh, you know, Dan Van Cleve, obviously. You know, we've we've had some Jody Hurst. You know, we've had some some big time guys 
play center field for us as we should because we are a national power. But Bobby Thigpen might have been the toughest guy on that 85 team. I mean, when I and I mean mentally tough. I mean, one of those guys that was just an absolute grinder. Uh, I remember at Omaha him banging into that right field wall and then gets up and then makes the throw. And then once he realizes we didn't get the out, then he went down to kind of collect himself. One of those guys that really gave his all for Mississippi State set the uh, Major League Baseball record for saves in a season. It's been broken since then. But uh, definitely a key cog in that 85 team and one of those guys that really kind of typified who we were at Mississippi State. Just a blue-collar, hard-nosed guy and, and really kind of set that trend as a two-way player. You know, he'd go out there and play in right field for eight innings and then come in and throw the ninth and just throw absolute gas by people. So very happy to see him inducted. And, uh, you know, to me, that there are we're going to go through years of these where there's going to be a lot of kind of no-brainers, you know, before we kind of get to some where there's probably some discussion. But I suspect that there's not a Bulldog fan in alive today that saw that 85 team play in person or on TV that would not agree that Bobby Thigpen was right there with Brantley Clark and Palmero. May not have had the same numbers, but he was just as impactful and just as important to that team he didn't have the same professional career because he got hurt, but he also was just one of those guys that uh, when you look back at what he did here in college, it is absolutely remarkable. Ab absolutely remarkable. The next guy on the list is a little more recent, and that's Eric Dubos. And I don't know if many of our young folks understand how dominant Eric Dubos was at Mississippi State. You know, people say, well, you know, you've heard these names. And I don't know. That, that's one of the things. And, and when I get ready to write the third Stark Villains book, which is scheduled for 2022, I've got three College World Series teams left to write about. That'll be the 90, 97, 98. I really believe those Pat McMahon teams, I don't know that we, and maybe it's because Polk came back and, you know, we kind of, you know, Kind of said, well, you know, it was the Polk years, and he he got tired of fighting NCAA, and he retired, and then he went to Georgia, and then we got him back, and it's almost like we've kind of forgotten about the, those Pat McMahon teams. Those 97, 98 teams were absolutely loaded. I mean, absolutely loaded. And Eric Dubos was the guy. He was absolutely the best guy. When you look at that 97 team, it's so many great players. But when we sent Eric Dubos out to the hill, let me grab my media guide here, too, because I want to make sure that I give you guys some information, especially some of you younger folks that are listening that maybe haven't researched Eric Dubos. So here's the one that really jumps out at you. Okay, so first, he was a strikeout guy. He was definitely a swing and miss guy. And recently, Ethan Small broke Dubos' single season record. Dubos had 174 Ks in a season on 133 innings pitched. Small got 176 and 107. You know, so it took that type of performance to knock Dubos out of the number one spot. You go look at career Ks. Eric Dubos in his Mississippi State career struck out 428 hitters. The number two guy on that list is Jeff Brantley, 364. Brantley, a first ballot Mississippi State Hall of Fame guy. And Dubos gets him by 64 Ks. 
and also did it in about 60 less innings. He was an absolute phenom. Absolute phenom. Because you, when you mention anybody in connection with Jeff Brantley at Mississippi State, that, that, that's about the most ultimate compliment you can give a Bulldog pitcher. Brantley was one of those guys that uh, when we had a big game, mid-'80s, that's the guy we wanted on the hill. He was our guy. And so Dubos was our guy on that 97 team. You know, Dubos is one of those guys, too. 95, 96, 97, and then he goes out and gets drafted and uh, and is still working in baseball, the pitching coach for the East Coast Sox. And so, to me, those are pretty easy guys to go in. I think those are easy. And what I would hope, and again, I listen, there's a lot of guys we got to put out there in the reading fame. You know, and there's going to be a lot of, again, there's a lot of recency bias, but obviously Jake Mangum and Brent Rooker go in, but I don't think they go in until they're done playing. You know, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm mistaken. I don't know the criteria. But my hope is, is that we can, uh, we can have, you know, some of these veterans. There are some guys out there like Frank Montgomery, you know, Brantley Jones, Mike Prophet, some guys out there that, uh, you know, that nobody really talks about anymore. You know, guys like Pete Young, Tommy Raffo, you know, and the, and that's nothing too. I mean, you know, let's let's be honest. There's a lot of people out there too that that really don't know our history. And so I don't know who all's on the committee, but I know there are a lot of deserving guys. And we again we will fill that ring of fame up. But I just thought it would be important for us to let's discuss the class, the, the class of twenty twenty that uh, will be, I guess they'll have their moment next year. But it's one of those deals you look at and you think, okay, we've got to we got to recognize these guys and kind of be excited about their contributions to Mississippi State. I want to remind you our good friends at Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. Stan the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely talented Susie Mandis, all great people. They're gonna look forward to seeing you again very, very soon. Probably won't hug your neck. We'll probably have to do it from a safe distance, but nevertheless, they'll be happy to serve you. If you can't make it to town, you can go visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. By being a loyal Bondyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Mom, Dad, I'm telling you, the kids would love to be outfitted in new Mississippi State gear before we take that summer trip. I know many people are thinking, you know what, I can't wait to get out of the house, even if it's just to simply go to Grandma's house. I get it. What better way to get the kids in the car feeling good about life than having a new Mississippi State shirt? Speaking of Mississippi State stuff, today's top ten list, it kind of combines two of my favorite things. And uh, I'm going to give proper credit here. Because uh, some, uh, sometimes I don't do it, and I know people are always like, you know, Steve, listen, I don't, I don't need any credit for this, but uh, I just like to thank these folks that uh, that share stuff with me. So let me look here. Let me look here because I had somebody send me a couple different ideas, and uh, I want to make sure that they get credit if I can find it. And I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. But never, let me let me just one more thing. Let me check one more thing. You know how this thing is with these. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. This is uh, Tinlo. Okay. On Twitter, T Boyd Inlo. T Boyd Inlo. I don't know exactly what that means. But uh, 
Bulldog, Itawamba, Indian loving, maroon, black and gold, wearing nurse practitioner a little over an hour from God's country on Twitter. So Tenlo, this was your request, and I'm going to do it today. And that is, uh, it combines, again, two of my favorite things. That's Mississippi State baseball and music. So the request was 10 favorite Mississippi State walk-up songs. Now, again, there's probably going to be a little bit of recency bias because I've forgotten some of them, but there have been some that I have loved so much over the years that I remembered. So, but a lot of these are going to be relatively, there was one this year. I even put a, bra a freshman on the list this year because he did it right. He picked the right song. And I commented about this guy on Twitter multiple times this year when he would come in. I said, you know what? I, I want him to pitch every game because I think we need more 80s metal at Duty Noble Field. I remember a time back in the 80s we would not dare play anything from Motley Crue or Rad or anybody like that. And now it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I was right then. I'm right now. Get your fist in the air and raise your fist to the gods of rock. So this is my top 10 favorite Mississippi State walk-up songs. I am confident that some of you will say, Steve, do you remember that Brad Jones uh, put this song on there? And I, I'm going to say, I, I forgot that, but had I known, I would have picked it. So there will be some songs out there that, I'm, that I would have loved that I didn't see. You know, when Zach Hass from LSU took the mouth at LSU, he came out to Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue. I was not a Zach Hess fan before that, but all of a sudden I said, you know what? We've got some things in common. We've got some things in common. I hated that guy pitching against us, even though we did get to him his last time here. So there's my top 10 Mississippi State walk-up songs. Number 10 on my list is Gavin Collins' walk-up song, Reelin. That's R-E-E-L-I-N, apostrophe, by Iration. It's a reggae band out of California. He's a California kid. It's a bit of a love song. Love the song then. Love it now. Still listen to it sometimes when I'm on the road. I should probably put a playlist together of all these uh, walk-up songs from time to time and listen to them, but some of them I don't like. There needs to be, if it doesn't have a guitar, chances are I'm going to struggle with it. Okay? But number 10, Reelin by Iration for Gavin Collins, former Mississippi State catcher and third baseman, part of an SEC championship team. Number nine on my list, and I like it this is because I like the song, but also, too, I thought the use of this song by this individual was perfect. It's Riley Self's walk-up song, Me, Myself, and I by G-Eazy. It's perfect. And I will also share with you, you know, when he had his struggles as a sophomore, it was when he changed his walk-up song. And I told him after a game one night, I said, Riley, I am a baseball purist. I am very superstitious. We need to go back to the original walk-up song. The thing, the walk-up song that, that you know made you a big-time player as a freshman. He changed it back, found his form. So I'm going to take credit for that, Riley. It really had little to do with you. It was all about getting the mojo right. But me, myself, and I by G Easy. I'm actually a G Easy fan, thanks to my kids. Like G Easy, probably like uh, Yellow Wolf and Post Malone a little bit more. Number eight on the list. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of this band. But I like the fact that we had a player that paid some homage to 80s rock. I, I struggle to call them metal because I, I didn't really care for them. But I've gotten to know his dad, and uh, I think I, I'm going to give give some uh, give a tip of the cap here to Kevin. 
because Kevin McCrary convinced Denver McCrary to listen to some rock and roll in his life, and Denver had nothing but a good time by Poison as his walkout song. And again, I wasn't a big Poison fan at all. I mean, it's three chords and, uh, you know, a gallon of hairspray. But uh, a tip of the cap to the McCrary family. And uh, I don't know if Mississippi State makes it to Omaha in 2018 without Denver McCrary, because you remember at Vanderbilt, he threw an absolute gas ball to get a strikeout, to get us out of a jam late in that ball game. I'll never forget that. Number six, this could be a little bit controversial, and I don't care. It's my show. I'll say what I want to say. Because this walk-up song was later banned from being a walk-out song or a walk-up song, but yet we still play it at Dirty Noble Field. It's a little hypocritical. I don't know who made the call, but I'm calling you out. It's a little hypocritical. Brant Blaylock, before he transferred from Mississippi State to Southern Miss, had Fat Bottom Girls by Queen as his walk-up song. And I understand some people complained about it, and shame on you. Shame on you. Truer words have never been spoken. Brant Blaylock eventually left the program, but he left his mark on us because he made sure that Freddie Mercury's classic and Queen's classic Fat Bottom Girls was played at Duty Noble Field. I don't know what all the complaining was about. Number five on my list, and this kind of became an iconic moment at Duty Noble Field. It wasn't just because of the fact that uh, we like a little Johnny Cash around here. Johnny and Mississippi State star will have had, uh, had some run-ins before. But when Jonathan Holder came out of the pen and they started playing God's Gonna Cut You Down, we knew the ball game was over. And it became really an iconic moment. I mean, it's one of those things, too. I don't think many people knew that song, but it was so apropos and uh, absolutely loved everything about that. It, it, was, it was enigmatic of that team. You know, it's like it was one of the when that team came out there, you, we expected to be able to win. If we could ever get to the bullpen, we knew Jonathan Holder could close it out for us. And then many of you look at that and you're saying, Steve, how is that only number five? Well, again, not a real big country music fan, but I do recognize good quality theater. And seeing a guy walk out of there with tattoos and long hair to come close out a ball game, I can get behind that. Number four, and that's right, number four. For a freshman, Landon Sims, Mississippi State's new closer, he takes the field to Still of the Night by Whitesnake. One of the greatest songs of the late 80s. And I, I'm a huge Whitesnake fan. I have been to see them. I've taken my oldest son to see Whitesnake. I would go see Whitesnake tomorrow if I could. Well, at this point, I'd go see anybody tomorrow except for maybe Green Day if I could. Whitesnake... An iconic band, and this is probably their signature song among rock people. There's a lot of people listening to pop radio that would say, here I go again. I think it's still tonight. But I give a tip of the cap to our young brother in rock, Landon Sims, for bringing that to Dirty Noble Field. I think it's pretty obvious he's going to have a huge career. because The kid knows how to pick out a song. Number three on my list, and this is one that I think only the real rockers are going to know. There are going to be so many of you people who will see, what's, what's he talking about? I'm going to take it down. Go look this song up on, on iTunes. You can. Brad Jones, I know you're listening, but it's not your song. I'm going with your teammate and good friend, Jeff Butts. Jeff Butts, 
who hit a solo home run to help put Ole Miss away in the 2005 SEC Tournament Championship game. Jeff Butts, great guy. His walk-up walk -up song was Wings of a Butterfly by him, H-I-M, him, Wings of a Butterfly. The first 10 seconds of that song, that was his walkout. It is a great song. They are a great band. Kind of got lost in the shuffle of uh, when, when the rock kind of shifted. But they're uh, one of those Danish rock bands, a little bit different. I didn't, you didn't know we were going to talk about Jeff Butts today, didn't you? You didn't, you didn't know. Because that's the thing about the Bowen Guard. You just never know what direction we're going to go. Jeff Butts, wherever you are today, sir, I salute you. Number two, and I know many of you thought, well, Steve, he'll go with this number one, but Steve's not a poser. I'm, I'm not. Number two on my list, and probably number one on many of your lists because it evokes so many positive memories, but it's Your Love by the Outfield and Jake Mangum. It is a bit of an iconic song and probably part of Mississippi State uh, baseball experience at the stadium, probably for the foreseeable future, because Jake is so important to us. A little thing about Jake's walkout song most of you don't know I wrote an article about this a few years ago. I, the very first interview Jake Mangum did at Mississippi State was done by me. I did it the week after he had the big hit against Vanderbilt. We beat Vanderbilt that weekend, that freshman year, right back in 16. Jake Mangum got to Mississippi State, and one of his best friends is a guy by the name of Chance Lovertich from Jackson Prep. They played high school ball together. And so Chance just came to Mississippi State as a baseball fan, he didn't get a chance to play here. And so Jake picked Chance's walkout song, walk-up song from high school so he could kind of share in the experience. He borrowed Chance's walk-up song for college. And he did that because they were such good friends and he wanted Chance to fill a part of all of this. So Jake had a completely different walk-up song in high school and then uses his good friend's walk-up song at Duty Noble Field, and then it becomes an iconic part. It's so crazy. All of this because Jake is a good guy kind of paying a tribute to a great friend. How cool is that? You didn't know you were going to get that story today either. That's why you tune in. But number one on the list, and, and this is, to me, perfect. Now, talk to him about this. It's Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine, Dakota Hudson. And what's interesting is uh, it kind of became synonymous with Dakota but he wasn't a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. You know, it's like some, when they were talking about it, some people were, they, some friends of his were listening to Rage Against the Machine. They really dug them and they were into them and, and uh, they loved that song and uh, it became his walkout. And uh, so that to me, we need more Rage Against the Machine in our lives. They were a very important and iconic band in the early 90s that did a lot to kind of change the direction of music, but also too, they were activists. And uh, while you might not always agree with their politics, they're very outspoken and brought change in the world. And so I'm good to see this younger generation kind of embrace Rage Against the Machine. So that's my list, 10 through 1. No honorable mentions today. I just wanted to get right to it. And, uh, and I hope you learned a little bit about it. You know, people have asked me, Steve, what would be your walk-up song? And it changes a lot. It really does. But I think I would probably go with Korn's version of Word Up. I think that's what I would do, just to be a little bit weird. All right, let's get into a couple other things. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there are a lot of things that are happening around us. There's a lot of chatter out there, and I know that there's a lot of people, of course, that are still very concerned, and, and, I, and I get it. I really do. I don't go many places. I have some friends of mine that say, hey, you know, man, Rose Bowl just shut it down. When they started the quarantine stuff, 
Steve hadn't been anywhere. You know, guys, I, I've been to Walmart one time since I got back from Nashville, and that was the week of the SEC men's basketball tournament. So since they started shutting everything down, I just really hadn't been anywhere. I'm just trying to take care of myself. I've got my nose down. I'm kind of working on the book and interviewing players and people and and uh, working on our website, You know, trying to provide you guys with the best possible content we can, doing my best to support our fellow writers over on Gene's page. And so um, I just hadn't gone anywhere. And um, and so I, have, I kind of keep up with the news. One of the things that uh, – that I get a little tired of, you know, I mean, really is, is all these amateur epidemiologist people that, uh, you know, they get on there and they, they think they know things and they want to explain things. And listen, I don't ever have to go look for bad news ever because I've got some people that are friends of mine on Facebook that anything that is potentially bad, they run and can't wait to post it. And I don't know why we feel the need to feed our own misery. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if it's going to get me, it's going to get me, you know, me worrying about it. You know, it's like, it's like I, people laugh at me when I say this, but, you know, those same people that thought that um, Lane Kiffin was going to steal all of our recruits in December, and then they were all going to get them to, to ask for their release and flip the Ole Miss in February, and then they thought Vic Schaefer was going to take our whole team and take Humphrey Coliseum with him to Austin, Texas. These are the same people right now that are wringing their hands about the dadgum death hornet. You know, and it's like, I, I just don't understand what all of that worry brings. And I'm not a Pollyanna. I'm not one of these people that, you know, that believe that everything's just going to work out. You know, I believe there we have to take some preventative measures and some corrective actions. But I don't understand what worrying about all this stuff changes. You just go do it. You do what you're supposed to do. Whatever happens is going to happen. Worrying about it is not going to change anything. And it took me years, I guess, to reach that point. You know, I, I'm just going to go do what i got to do. And if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. That doesn't mean I'm going to live life recklessly. But it's one of those deals where, you know, we have to take a little personal accountability. You know, I've read with great interest people are like, I don't understand why we're opening this up, why we're doing that. You know, listen, nobody's saying you got to go anywhere. It's your life. It's your choice. You make some decisions. If you want to stay home, and be reclusive, that's, hey, do it. If you want to you know, sit around and, and quilt for all the grandkids, that's cool too. If you want to sit at home and write another book or start your memoirs or whatever, then do it. There's nothing anywhere that says, hey, we got to load up and go. Hey, listen, we got to go do this. There's none of that out there. There's no unwritten rules that say you've got to go anywhere that you're, that you're not required to go. And so there has been a lot of chatter lately about college football. We talked earlier in the week about, um, I guess in the week, last week, all these days run together after a while, we talked last week about Alabama's president coming out and saying they expect to play football with fans in the stands. University of Arkansas president came out today and said they're getting ready to play football September the 5th, and they're going to start football practice in July. And so as we have said throughout this process, there's a lot of people out there with a lot of, with a lot of hot takes that don't have a lot of information. And so we've got more and more people that are saying, you know what, hey, we're going to have in-school instruction come fall. Mississippi State has not made that declaration yet. Sid Salter released a statement here several days ago that said Mississippi State exploring all of that. But Alabama, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Oregon, and many others have said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. 
And there are a lot of people that are expecting this thing to really flatline over the summer months. There are a lot of people that also said, too, that, you know what, heat doesn't affect this virus. However, but when you look at the death totals and the mortality rates in the South, they're plummeting a good bit because we've got heat and humidity down here. I don't know if there's a correlation. I just find that information interesting. I don't claim to be an expert. I'm not an amateur Facebook epidemiologist. That's not, you know, that's up for you guys. I won't infringe on your territory. But I will share with you that there is a lot of optimism about fall sports returning. There is also a lot of optimism about the Major League Baseball returning. We talked about that on Friday. There's a lot of discussion about the draft, and, and these things we're beginning to see some normalcy. I'm excited about that. And again, I expect us to play football. I expect us to play the full schedule. I think there will probably be a couple of schools that'll, that might do something a little bit different. There might be some alterations to the schedule. But to hear Arkansas come out and say, you know what, we're going to play football September 5th. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take some precautions. You know what? And there are going to be other people out there that say, you know what, Steve, I'm not quite ready for that, man. I, I, I'm not ready to go out there into the Petri dish of life and risk myself, maybe because I'm a little bit, uh, you know, compromised immunity-wise. And you know what? That's 100% okay. I, I don't think anybody should shame anybody else for saying, hey, why do you want to stay home? Again, it's personal responsibility. If you decide that you're better off staying at home watching a football game on TV, that's what you should do. But there are a lot of people out here that want to, they're fear mongers, that want to create all this unrest. And hey, well, you know, Kirk Herbstreet said we're not going to play football. Listen, guys, Kirk Herbstreet doesn't know any more than you do. And I don't say that to be critical of Kirk Herbstreet. It's just when he made that comment, we just didn't know much. There are a lot of people that offer their opinions. And their opinions in 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee at the truck stop. This is one of those situations. And so I think it's best to kind of weigh things out. But again, we're beginning to see more and more people, much smarter than us, that are making some statements and some declarations that, that lead you to believe, you know what, not only are we going to have fall classes, we're going to have football. Does that mean that we're going to play without fans? I don't know. You know, Alabama says, no, we're going to have fans. I don't know how you could keep people out. But the bottom line is, is that we are beginning to see some progress. And there are a lot of people out there that says, you know what, Steve, I am not going to go to large crowds until I have been vaccinated, until I can sleep at night knowing that I am safe from this. And you know what? That is absolutely right. And I don't think anybody should have any negative comments to say about that. But there are other people that are like, you know what? I am sick and tired of staying home. This thing hadn't been nearly as bad as advertised. And so I'm going to get out there and live my life as I always have. You know what? And I salute you. But I also think it's important to understand that I think one of the reasons we're seeing this, you know, the progress that we've seen is because of the steps that we have taken. And so the truth somewhere lies in the middle. You know what I'm saying? You've got people on both sides of this, which makes it so exhausting because neither one of them are right. You know, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. So. Again, more optimism about playing college football, more optimism closer to home within our own conference. And so I suspect Dr. Mark Keenum uh, is one of the most intelligent people that any of us knows. He will make a very measured decision. He will take his time. And I think that he has been provided a little cover here because of the fact you've got Arkansas and Alabama and others that are coming out saying, you know what, this is what we're going to do. And you had Greg Sankey's comments last week about, you know what, you know, we don't know what other conferences are going to do, but we're going to make a decision that's best for the SEC. And as I have shared on this show many times, as a nation, we are so incredibly dependent on football. I mean, it is unbelievable how much our financial wherewithal 
is based on NFL and college football because of all the hotel rooms and the gas money you buy and the meals you eat and the jerseys you buy and all that sort of stuff. All of that funds our nation. And so when all these things begin to kind of roll out, I think it's good for our financial recovery. I think it's good for our collective psyche because if we have seen, and I hope that you guys are enjoying this as much as I am, every Sunday I get so excited to get up knowing that the last dance episodes of that 98-97 Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls team, that documentary is being shown. I am like a kid in a candy store watching that. Not just because of the fact that I lived through that, but it's like it's something I've never seen before about one of the most iconic figures in all sport. And so I have so enjoyed that. I have been downright giddy to watch it. And it is a reminder, too, how much we enjoy arguing about sports because people say, well, you know, Jordan's not as good as Kobe, which I think is ridiculous, and Jordan's not as good as LeBron, which is also ridiculous. But I think it's one of those things, too, we can appreciate greatness in every era. It's been a little different game. People say, well, you know, Jordan will be just as dominant today and, and LeBron will be just as dominant back then. I think both of those things are true. I think greatness is greatness, regardless of the level of competition. But be that as it may, it's been interesting to have discussions about sports again. It is so tied to our culture. It is a big part of our identity as a nation and as individuals. And I know there are other people that say, you know, I don't really get into sports. I don't know what you get into then. I mean, you know, I'm wired a little differently. You know, I'm kind of wired for competition. I like the fact that we have a scoreboard where we can kind of establish that, hey, we're better than you on this day. You know, it's like, well, we're not snobs. We're better than you. You know, until we put the, until we plug the scoreboard in, you know, no longer do we have these matters of opinion and no longer do we have your delusions of grandeur. We can get out here and let you prove it, and you can't. You know, and so I like that about sports. I like the fact that we have a scoreboard and we can determine winner and loser. And then you know what? When you lose, you get better and you do it all again next year. But all that stuff makes sense to me. It does. And I enjoy all the pageantry of college football. You know, one of the things that I used to share with my friends, when I would go to an LSU football game and you see the band break into Tiger Rag and then run down the hill to go into the stadium, if that doesn't raise the hair on the back of your neck, you don't have a pulse. Whether you like LSU or not, it's one of those things that you go through and you experience. You know what? This is really cool. This is, I'm so glad I got to see this. Going to Auburn and seeing the Eagle circle the stadium at Jordan Air and then be able to you know, drop down to the 50-yard line, that is one of the coolest things in sport, man. It is absolutely phenomenal. And to hear 50,000 Mississippi State fans sing along to Don't Stop Believing at the end of the third quarter. And that's some people, well, I'm so sick of that song. Well, get over it, okay? It's silly. It's a great thing. People love it. When people naturally come here, they can't believe we do it. They can't wait for it to happen. But there's so many cool things that are tied to the fabric of America through college football. And I think in order for us to recover, not just economically, but recover spiritually and mentally, we need sports. We need sports to, because those are the ties that bind. As I've shared on the show many times, that, that is the one place we can all go and unite under a common banner and put all of our differences aside. We may not ever agree politically. We may not agree about things socioeconomically. We may not even agree about our government or anything of that. But we can all get together. And you know what? We're going to go cheer for the Bulldogs because that makes sense to us. And we can be at peace for a while. And I think that is one of the greatest things that we share is that common rooting interest. And we also have a common en enemy. You know, and it's so interesting, too, you get those things together, and, you know, we have all this tribalism and things like that. But uh, 
it's kind of neat to divide up teams and then keep score. I think it's a really cool thing. So we're going to be back on Wednesday. You never know by then on Wednesday we might have some more people that have said, you know what, hey, listen, we're going to play football this fall. And, uh, and we'll talk about that, too. And, and I, you know, I, I think it's about 30 different major colleges that have come out and said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to have class this fall. I want to share with you a couple more things before we get out of here. You know, you guys know that I'm working on the sequel to Stark Villains. And I thought I was done interviewing. I really was. And then there was an interview. That the very first thing that I wrote down when I got ready to make my list, who is on the wish list? What stories do I want to share in the sequel? The very first thing that I wrote down was Alan McKean. Well, obviously Coach McKean has passed away. So I began to do some research and said, you know, if there's anybody still alive. And I finally figured it out. And so I reached out and I had a chance to interview Harper Davis about all the things that went on, man, in his late 40s. And it's so crazy. And I shared this with some friends earlier. It's phenomenal. You know, back in those days that, uh, you know, players, once that ones that went to war, when they got back, they could, you know, begin the begin or resume their college eligibility. And so Harper Davis played military football. When that happened a lot back then, you know, you could play. It was basically a semi-pro team, but it didn't affect your eligibility, but it allowed those guys to play competitively and kind of keep the the, the skills somewhat sharp. So Coach Davis played his first year out at St. Mary's out there in California and then played his second year of military football at Corpus Christi and his head football coach was a guy by the name of John Vaught. That's right. Johnny Vaught that when played at all was at all miss. It's crazy. And so then once he was discharged from the service, and this is one of those things I don't think people today fully appreciate, is as these guys were discharged from the service, there was a recruiting war. You know, it's like people were calling us, you know, trying to get these guys. And so Harper Davis, a Mississippi guy, gets a call from Alan McKean. And he goes, okay, coach, I, I, I'm going to sign with you guys. He goes, but y'all got to come get me. And so Coach McKean sent a coach all the way to Corpus Christi, Texas, to pick up Harper Davis. This happens Tuesday, Wednesday, okay? And so the coach gets there, and then they drive all the way back, and Harper told me, he goes, Steve, it felt like we drove forever. On the way from Corpus Christi, Texas, to Starkville, Mississippi, Harper Davis memorized the Mississippi State playbook. And this is in October. Missed all the fall practice, didn't know the, the other players, knew nothing. He gets to Starkville on Thursday, gets enrolled for classes. On Friday, he boards a bus for Birmingham, Alabama to play Auburn. And then on Saturday, Harper Davis scored two touchdowns to lead Mississippi State to a 20 to nothing win over Auburn. How cool is that? What a great generation. We talk about that's the greatest generation, the ones that won World War II, and then they come back here and play college football. And so I got some details, too, about the Alan McKean stuff, and I'm eager to share that with you. But I just begin to think, how cool a story is that? that Harper Davis, a Mississippi kid, goes and fights in World War II and then gets the chance to come home to play for his institution, his home, his favorite home school, and then discharge from the military. And then by the, by the time the week is over, he's led Mississippi State to a win over Auburn. Absolutely outstanding. Cannot wait for you guys to read it. If you want to get up to date, and I encourage you to do so, because I'm about to stack a bunch of Mississippi State books up for you guys. We're about to get caught up when it comes to Mississippi's literary heritage when it comes to uh, books about Mississippi State. So 
Go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. You can order Flim Flam and Stark Villains, and here in a few months, we'll have uh, pre-orders available for the sequel to Stark Villains. Cannot wait for you guys to read it. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.